This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to the San Antonio Express You Pick'em College Football Show brought to you by Affordable Debt Consolidation. I'm your host, Nick Talbot. Today I'm joined by a Texas beat writer, Nick Moyle, and UTSA beat writer, Greg Luca. We got a couple good football games this weekend with those two teams. Uh, Nick Moyle, we got uh, UT versus Oklahoma State. What's the lowdown there? Both teams looking pretty good so far this season. Yeah, this is going to be a huge game, both for you know Texas, Oklahoma State, and just the Big 12 in general. Um, Oklahoma State's coming off an overtime loss to TCU, played really well, um, and then kind of faltered down the stretch. Spencer Sanders, I think that's the biggest storyline going into this game. How close to 100% is he? I think he's probably closer to 50%. Um, it just looked like his throwing shoulder was really not there. Um, and he's obviously still able to make plays, but it was either go with Spencer Sanders or tried out Mike Gundy's son, who is their backup quarterback and was a walk-on there. Um, So they figured, you know what, half of Spencer Sanders is probably better than Gundy's kid. Um, So we'll see what happens this week. It looks like Spencer Sanders is going to start, but he might be limited, which could kind of play into UT's favor a little bit there. But going to be a raucous environment. It's still water. It's homecoming. It's going to be a sellout game. Texas traditionally hasn't played that well there. Um, They did win their last time on the road there, but Oklahoma State's taken five of seven in the series. Um, But for Texas, I think this is a huge statement game. It can be a statement game for them. They're one in five on the road under Sark. They lost that overtime game in Lubbock earlier this year that they really should have won. Last year, they had road leads um, in three games and ended up losing them. Um, So this is going to be a huge one for them. I mean, the Iowa State game was big because, yes, they did kind of fall apart a little bit in the second half. They stagnated. But they did something that they haven't done in the past, and they haven't done under Sarkeesian, which is they come, they came back in the fourth quarter and they won a game. It was ugly. You know, there was a lot of sloppy play. They had issues on third down. Their offense kind of stagnated late, but they got the win. You know, that's the most important thing for them. And Sark said, hey, you know, we kind of had to come to Jesus Monday morning about sort of, the, you know, what went wrong and why we're struggling in these close games. But they won the game there, and I think that's going to be huge for them, just psychologically heading into Stillwater because I think it's going to be a very close game. And now they know that they can win a close game, but now they have to prove that they can actually win on the road, which they haven't been able to do under Sark yet, and they haven't really done historically the last few years here. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but if Texas wins, they're going to vault right up to the top of the Big 12 standings. All right, a big game from them on the road. Big game for UTSA at home, their homecoming game, Greg. What do they have to do to beat North Texas? Obviously, last year didn't go so well. Yeah, last year is something that they've tried to minimize, but I think it's an important piece of this matchup. You know, UTSA was 11-0 and when they rolled into Denton last year, and they got throttled. I mean, it was it was embarrassing for them in a lot of ways, and it was probably the only time that they felt like they didn't play to at least the ideas of the culture and the mentality that they preach about all the time because they just kind of got run off the field and they didn't they weren't able to hang in that matchup and it, it ended their undefeated run to start the season. So that's a little bit in play here, but what they're focused more on in all of our interviews this week has been that it's two 3-0 and teams in Conference USA and the only two 3-0 and teams in Conference USA. The way the schedule sets up for UTSA, if they can win this one, they have a very good shot of playing in another conference championship game and even hosting it. So there's a lot on the line in that sense and in terms of what they're keying in on, it's North Texas's running game. 
they rank number six in the country and how they run the ball and three of the teams ahead of them, at least uh, I haven't double checked. This is what Jeff Trailer keeps telling us is, is service academies. So the, in terms of teams that kind of line up and play a more traditional offense, they're as tough as anybody when it comes to trying to stop that running game. And so that's something that, you know, for UTSA, the tackling has been in focus a lot this year. There's been some missed tackles and it's become a talking point week after week. So they're going to have to be pretty sharp in that area if they want to be able to slow down this running game. Well, last time they tried to do that against Army, they uh, Army pass for what 314 yards or right. some nonsense so if you over commit to it if you, you over commit the other way too. <laughs> you beat yeah. the other way it seemed it seemed like a big problem that game i was like why is army still passing the what what is what am i watching here it's bizarre it's thrown off all the stats the whole year i don't know what to make of anything so yeah it's been a strange that's what happens when you play the triple option teams it's like anything goes and usually you don't expect it to turn out that way but if you overcommit, that's what happens. Speaking of passing games, both teams, UTSA and Texas, have kind of pinned their seasons on their quarterbacks. UT, of course, Texas has had you know issues, and they've gone back and forth between Card and, and, and Quinn. Both have looked good at times. What do you think of the quarterback situation right there, Moyle? Yeah, I mean, Texas feels great about where they're at right now. Um, Hudson Card did an admirable job filling in for Quinn Ewers while he's out for three weeks, and Hudson was even playing through a high ankle sprain of his own, so he wasn't really quite 100%. But look, I mean, just watching the way that Quinn throws the ball, I mean, there's maybe a handful of guys in college right now that that just have the release, that have, you know, the arm angle of him. He can release the ball. Any, I mean, he's made a couple throws to Bijan Robinson that look like unreal. I mean, he's no doubt. I mean, there was so much hype about him coming out of South Lake Carroll, you know, when he went to Ohio State and transferred out early and everybody was kind of like, oh, you know, maybe he's running from, from the spotlight or something like that. Um, no, I think he's as good as advertised and he might even be better. And the thing with him is, as we saw in last week's game, he doesn't have to be perfect all the time for them to win. They have Bijan, they have Roshan, even their third string running back, Jonathan Brooks, gets started a lot of places across the nation. Um, their offensive lines held up remarkably well. But honestly, Quinn Ewers is the guy, I think, that can lead this program to the promised land. And, you know, not necessarily a college football playoff, but I think a few years down the line, they could compete for, you know, conference championship and you haven't so texas is back right texas is back. texas is competent i'll say that and they're firmly in the big 12 title race this year and look you know they only have a few years left to win a big 12 championship they haven't done it since 2009 i think they'd really like to get one and kind of take off with it just to maybe like rub it in the rest of the big 12's face before they get out of here Um, but they're definitely in the thick of it this year and quinn ewers not you know no dig on hudson card he played great for them but quinn ewers is just a next level type of talent he's a first round nfl talent he's going to be playing on sundays for a long time make all the throws. Um, so he just kind of elevates them to a point where they haven't been in years past. Even And, and Sam Ellinger was great for them, but Quinn is a legitimate, you know, first-round guy. Like, he can make every single throw, every single play. And all that said, he's still probably the second-best player on that team. Yeah, which is, in, which is incredible, but honestly, and also that's the other thing, like, if you have some time on Saturdays, just just watch Bijan Robinson because it is the most joyful experience. I mean, the way that this guy cuts and jukes and dances, it's he literally is a human joystick. I know we hear that a lot, but uh, it's it's literally like a mini Barry Sanders or something like that. I mean, he's he's unreal. So yeah, Quinn's incredible, but Bijan is still the heart and soul of this team. Speaking of running backs. Who is uh, UTSA's running back at the moment, or are they healthy? Well, the last game, it was Kavorian Barnes, a, fr- a redshirt freshman from San Augustine who had, you know, 20 carries, something like 125 yards and a couple touchdowns. And 
Yeah, the injuries have been a big storyline for UTSA. You know, you, it starts up at the offensive line. They've had five basically starting caliber offensive tackles go down to injury for different points, all the way going back to the start of fall camp. And so right now at, at right tackle, you have a walk-on Frankie Martinez. And at left tackle, you have Walker Beatty, who was working in the defensive line group until about a month ago, until after the game against Texas was when he finally made the move over. And all, the, all of a sudden, he's a starting left tackle in, in conference games. So it's been quite a rise for him. And I don't know how they're still doing it offensively. You know, you mentioned Frank Harris and what he's brought to the table. And to have him throw for 300 yards against FIU, I know they're one of the worst teams in the FBS, but he puts up, Frank Harris puts up these 300-yard passing games almost routinely now where he was never doing it in previous seasons. And to think that this success is coming despite the troubles that they've had with the offensive line and with Brendan Brady and Traylon Smith in the backfield also kind of nursing injuries and, and having some limited opportunities in certain weeks, it's been crazy the production that he's had, and it comes down to the way that they've managed the offense with, you know, whether it's Jeff Trailer or new offensive coordinator Will Stein, the way they've been able to dial it up week after week to rely on this quick passing game. And when you have three potent receivers with Zakari Franklin and Joshua Cephas and DeCorian Clark and how he's emerged this year, you can get away with doing some of these things where you just have those guys get open within the first two seconds of a play. And Frank Harris being at the helm of this offense for as long as he has been, is able to make all the correct reads on these read option plays and decide, can I hand it here? Do I need to make this quick slant throw or is something else open within this play that we've put together to get it out of my hands as quickly as possible to minimize the weakness on offensive tackle and still keep rolling? So it's been really impressive how they've sort of retooled the offense and not done a lot of the deep passing and not done a lot of the power running that was their signature last year and instead shifted to this quick passing game because they have cerebral enough coaches and players to be able to put it in place and make it work. And a quarterback who would be the longest tenured spur. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> one of the oldest too, probably. And he has a, he has a whole other year if he wants it. Really? Because there's a whole injury waiver thing on top of the COVID year situation. Yeah, you could be in for even oh, more I Frank Harris. It. Well, Hendon Hooker's like 28 or something. <laughs> Frank Harris is going to be at UTSA like one of those kids from Glee who's like 35 playing a 17-year-old. <laughs> they call him, uh, I think they call him Dr. Harris already in some circles. So, you Scum know, dad. We just keeps, <laughs> he'll have a lot of degrees by the time he's done. <laughs> All right, a couple other keys for the in, up in the Stillwater. It's going to be a third down defense, Moyle. Uh, What's what's been the issues there? Because obviously they're just not getting off the field sometimes. Yeah, and honestly, you know the the defense, uh, as I've said before, they're, they're much improved this year. They're much more competent. They've been getting off the field more. Um, but last week they allowed Iowa State to convert nine of fifteen on third down. A couple weeks before that, West Virginia went nine of eighteen. Um, and then there was that wild game where um, Texas Tech went six of eight on fourth down. So they, you know, they've definitely had their issues in that aspect of the game. And I think the biggest one last week, which Sark talked about, was whenever they were lining up in zone coverages, um, Iowa State started to flood the coverages. Essentially, they would line up maybe three, even four receivers, bunch them together, and kind of just try to confuse Texas players in the secondary. And they lost Ryan Watts, who's their best cornerback, um, for a little bit there. So they were kind of going to some backups there. They had some guys shuffling in and out. They were really doing kind of like hockey line changes. So I don't think that helped their cause a lot. But still, you know, they had guys who were confused. You had guys who were running into each other. Um, you allow Hunter Deckers to go 11 of 12 on third down. Um, his only incompletion was a huge one, an interception by Jalen Ford. But still, he also ran in an 11-yard touchdown on third down. Um, so I think that's going to be the key to the game for them, especially in Oklahoma State, especially on the road. You don't want your defense to be out there getting tired, getting fatigued. Um, and I know Spencer Sanders, like we said before, is not 100%, but he could still hurt you with his legs. And especially in the third or fourth quarter, there's going to be lanes there open. And we saw that in the Iowa State game. 
So I think that's heading into this game is the biggest thing they need to clean up. They need to make sure that they're more strict in their zone coverages. And if they are going to man, they need to make sure that they have the right personnel in because they were relying on a lot of, you know, true freshmen, true sophomores late in that Iowa State game. And I don't think they were quite ready for the moment yet. Um, but the good news is for Texas, you know, they'll have Deshaun Jameson as their fifth year senior and they'll have Ryan Watts back, who's their big 6'3 transfer cornerback from Ohio State. And that gives them a lot of length and athleticism on the outside. Um, it's just a matter of if you can be disciplined and if you can play that um, zone coverage better this time around, especially against a veteran like Censor Sanders, who's another guy who feels like he's been in college for the last 20 years. All right. There's still a lot of football left on these scenes, even even after this. Both of these have pivotal games for for their conference races. What do they have to do to try to take control of that conference? Obviously, UTS three, UTSA is 3-0. Texas is chasing a little bit, but what do they have to do to try to get over that hump and actually claim that conference title again this year in UTSA's term, repeat. Yeah, so it's interesting to hear the way that they talk about it. You know, Jeff Trailer this week went on a whole thing about, you know, we've seen how many close games we've played since I've been the coach here. And it was something like, I haven't updated it, but it was like something like 22 out of some 30-ish games since he's been the coach have been within a touchdown in the fourth quarter at some point. And it seems like it's always coming down to the wire. But the reality is, as you size up the conference race, there's a reason they're a 10-point favorite this weekend. And they'll go to Rice and be favored by 14-ish. And they'll play Louisiana Tech and UTEP in the Alamo Dome and be favored by maybe up to 20. So, you know, out of the five games they have remaining, four of them, there's reasons that they're projected to win pretty comfortably because they're just a better team than a lot of these teams in Conference USA who aren't that strong this year. And the real test is going to be at UAB, which is the first game after the bye week. It'll be something like November 5th-ish. And I wouldn't be surprised if UTSA dropped that game, but the redeeming thing for them is that that could be their only conference loss if everything else goes to form. So then they'll end up in the in the Conference USA Championship game, and if UAB finishes the year with one loss, it'll be on the road, which would be a tough break for UTSA. And if they can get it back in the Alamo Dome, we saw the impact that that had last year with more than 40,000 fans for the game against Western Kentucky. So certainly they would love to be able to run the table, but even if they aren't able to pull off that game at UAB, which they'll probably be like a five or six point underdog, I would guess, then they still have a pretty good shot to earn a rematch against UAB and potentially even do it at home if UAB slips up somewhere else along the way because they've already taken a loss in the conference this year. Who did UAB lose to? They lost to Rice, I believe. So it's very I think it's the second year in a row. It's a very surprising outcome because Rice is, you know, Rice has put up some good results, but I think in the aggregate they're not all that strong. That's why UTSA will be projected to beat hmm. them as well. Rice is never usually that well, strong. But no. <laughs> they, they, they have been better. Yeah. They were close against Houston too, although I don't know, like who knows what that's even worth. They haven't had the yeah, best that was year a weird, That was a weird game too. Like, so yeah, very hard to say particularly, but I do think UTSA is a cut above most of the teams they'll face. Yeah, I mean, for Texas, I mean, they control their own destiny. You know, they have Oklahoma State, uh, then they have their bye, and then they're on the road at Kansas State, and then they have TCU, and then they close out against Kansas and Baylor. So they're facing, you know, TCU and Kansas State. Those are the two undefeated teams. There's only going to be one undefeated left because those two play each other this week. Um, And honestly, I mean, it's probably going to bet benefit Texas too because the Big 12 is kind of going to cannibalize each other I mean there's a lot of really good teams I mean even the teams at the bottom you know you have West Virginia that goes out and beats Baylor you know Texas Tech beat Texas Um, you know Oklahoma looked like they were dead and then they come back out of nowhere and then they beat Kansas Um, so there's not I mean even though you have TCU we just made it seem like Oklahoma beating Kansas was 
an upset. I and it, I, I, yeah. just, I had to yeah, stop right, and pause. Right. <laughs> yeah, pause your, I had to stop your thought there just to, for people to soak that in. Oklahoma beating Kansas was kind upset. of an upset. Kind yeah. of an upset, which is crazy. It speaks a lot about Kansas and probably even more so about where Oklahoma's at right now. Uh, but yeah, because that, that game in the Cotton Bowl was that was some ugly stuff. I've never seen Oklahoma down so bad. Um, but for Texas, like I said, they control their own destiny. They can beat all these teams. And I think they have the tools to do it, even though they struggled a little bit against Iowa State um, last week. I think they have probably you know, one of the most explosive offenses in the nation. So they're averaging almost 40 points a game. You have Xavier Worthy, you have Bijan, you have Roshan, you have Jatavian Sanders at tight end, who I think his emergence might be the biggest key for this entire offense. Because when you have a tight end like that, who's such a mismatched nightmare for linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties, pretty much anyone. I mean, he was a five-star athlete coming out of Denton Ryan. They were trying to figure out where do we want to play him? Do we want to do defensive line? Do we want to do tight end? I think they made the right choice making him a tight end because he looks like he's the best one in the league and maybe one of the best in the nation right now. But for Texas, I think the biggest thing down the home stretch is going to be how does their defense hold up? They've had some guys break out this year. Jalen Ford at Mike Linebacker. Uh, he just won conference player of the week, had that big interception in the end zone, had the game-winning fumble recovery. He's making strides, but I think it's going to come down to how, one, how well can that secondary hold up? Because as we've seen, and especially kind of as I alluded to before, they've had issues on third down when they're in passing downs. And usually in third and long situations, you like to feel pretty good about it. Texas has struggled in those this year. So I think down the stretch, you know, how is Pete Kwiatkowski, their defensive coordinator, going to game plan for a couple of very explosive offenses? And not only that, you have guys like Spencer Sanders and Max Duggan who are versatile. They'll get out and they'll beat you with their legs. And Texas has also struggled with that in the past. Um, but I think for this week going in, they don't want to look too far ahead. Um, but I think they feel confident. And if I'm them, I make Spencer Sanders beat me with his arm because his arm's not so hot right now. Um, you send a spy on him and you make sure you contain him. Don't let him get out to the edges. And if you come away with, out of Stillwater with a win, I mean, you're right in the thick of it. And they could be back in Arlington in December fighting for a Big 12 title. We also have this contest with you, Pick'em Greg. Why are you dominating all of us, leaving us all in the dust? I feel bad. I had a terrible week. The key is to check the lines and then mostly pick all the favorites. That's kind of oh, do, I don't do know, research. I don't do wanna, research. Yeah, I don't right. wanna, like lie to you guys and act <laughs> what do you like think we do the here? one week I tried to mix it up a little bit. I, I started falling back. So then you just pick all the favorites again and you're going to do great. So we have 363 people in the contest who have gotten involved with us. I'm fortunate enough to be ranked seven right now. So we're holding on, but there's some good people at the top. If you're not already involved, it's not too late. There's weekly prizes if you want to go to Six Flags. Giving away two tickets thanks to our friends at Affordable Debt Consolidation. So and again, it's so, free. So <laughs> the free part is so critical. You'll check your emails. We're sending out the newsletters or expressnews.com slash you pick them. A lot of ways to get involved. Check your Twitter machine. It'll be out there too, I'm sure. Yeah, you can catch me. I think I fell from like seventh. I was right up there with you and I I, I think yeah, I, I climbed like, one past you now. I think I got I think I got three right last week. It was terrible. So Yikes. Well, it's not too late for you either. You <laughs> can Hopefully it's not too late for me either. I don't think they'll give you the six flags tickets, but you can at least put up a good number. <laughs> but everyone join us at, at express not expressnews.com slash you pick them and again thanks for everyone joining us this week thanks to Nick Moyle and thanks to Greg Luca and catch us on the flip side <laughs>